Hello, this is Jake Wolf. And hello, this is Sam Elkins. And you're listening to the Film, Video Game, and Other Entertainment Podcast, where you can escape from the problems and worries of your life. Today on the Digital Forest Podcast, we're going to be talking about Amazon Prime's Invincible, as well as Amazon Prime's The Boys. In terms of video game stuff, we're going to be talking about some new developments on E3 that's coming in the next couple weeks, and we'll be finishing off with our segment, Nothing New, where we're covering New Moon this time around. Welcome to The Digital Forest. So what do you think about Invincible? Oh my lordy. If you have <laughs> if you haven't watched Invincible, go watch this show right now. I don't care how you feel about animated shows or anything or superhero shows. Uh go watch the show. It is absolutely insane. You should also absolutely watch it because we're going to spoil the shit out of it for you if you haven't seen it. <laughs> yes, yeah, spoilers for the entirety of season 1 of Invincible. Uh, we will not be getting into stuff that happens uh, in the comics after the fact because I have not read that, uh, and I'm, I haven't either. I'm keeping that uh, locked away till I either read it or watch it. So, spoilers. Yeah, and we'll also be kind of talking about how it relates to Amazon's The Boys. Mm-hmm. This. Um, so, keep keep in mind spoilers for. Let's say about at least season one and maybe half a season two. Yeah, for the boys. Um, Basically, what we're going to be talking about here is the rise in non-typical superhero stories, um, whether that be in film or TV, particularly in TV with uh, two of Amazon's shows. But first off, let's get into Invincible. What was good about it? Dude, Amazon... Amazon's firing on all cylinders here. <laughs> they both both of these are good. I am I particularly loved Invincible. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed I don't know if it's kind of like the Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic it had, the fact that mm-hmm. it was pretty refreshing to see something superhero related that wasn't trying to be gritty mm-hmm. or dark or realistic <laughs> and was just like fun and you know, like well not that it wasn't not that it didn't have any like realism <laughs> in it at all, yeah. But like the art style, like it wasn't yeah. trying to be. I don't know. I I feel like I'm this oversaturation with you know Marvel yeah. stuff and DC stuff and. Well, here's here's the thing for me. I went into it blind, um, the first episode, and as you're watching this first episode, it feels just like like you said, like a Saturday morning cartoon. It's it's optimistic it's uh it's, it's pretty non-controversial non-controversial it's feel it feels good to watch it's this exciting story that's new and refreshing has nothing to do with marvel dc uh it's its own thing it's its own new thing it's building its own world but it's not it's not just giving us heavy exposition it's showing us the world through the eyes right, of right. this optimistic teenager who we can get on board with he's sort of like this you know, uh, Peter Parker type, um, 
you know, yeah, he's, mixed with he's your general teenager superhero. Yeah, exactly. He's he's basically like the you know the main character from Sky High, if we're being honest. Um, and so I'm getting into this into this first episode, and I'm on board. I'm like this this show is great. And then you get to the end, and the end of the episode <laughs> changes everything in the absolute best way possible. The absolute best way that you could possibly think coming from the mind of Robert Kirkman, the creator of uh, The Walking Dead. Um, because you have this sort of, you know, Superman character who's supposed to represent the goodness. He's the father of the main character. Right. We see them training together. Um, which, <laughs> training. <laughs> anyway, uh, and, you know, and you have this sort of really nice dynamic there. And then it just, the end just, just sort of flips that on its head. Yeah. No. And I don't know what it was with the way that he killed the guardians of the globe. Maybe it's because, you know, they're obviously based off of like characters from the justice league. And so, you know, we have some kind of attachment Mm -hmm. to them as like recognizable and familiar characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But watching that scene was the first thing in a while that's really made me like feel something in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> You're right. Like it kind of made me sick a little bit. Yeah. In a way that, you know, the rest of the series is very brutal and violent mm-hmm. as well. And the, in a way that it didn't really achieve as much as that first scene. And I don't know, maybe it was the surprise. Maybe it was cause I also went into it blind. Yeah. I, what, Maybe you can say what convinced you to watch in- Invincible. Was there any like ad you saw, or did you kind of hear about it coming out? Uh, it was my sibling Zoe that told me about it. Um, yeah, they told me to watch and just go in blind. And I, I mean, I had seen ads like on Amazon and stuff. I knew that Stephen Yun was in it. Uh, I knew it was from Robert Kirkman. So like I had known about oh, okay. it. Okay, so you went in with some kind of semblance of yeah, but I, I, quality. But all I knew was that it was an exciting new animated superhero show that was different. I didn't know that they were going to have this Superman character, you know, smash the Flash's face in and make his eyeball pop out. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> so that took me by yeah, surprise. Yeah, that's fair. So, like... See, and that's why I think that that first episode was so affecting because you already had it already establishes that this sort of, you know, conventional superhero side of it works, works well, more like works better than probably most of the superhero stuff that we have out, honestly, um, just on its own. Yeah. And then you get to the end and this character that we've only seen as this loving father, this this earthly protector comes in and murders the justice league and i know they're the guardians but like but like you know that's essentially essentially the justice yeah, league as viewers you're seeing superman murder the justice league in the most brutal way possible and it's and it comes out of nowhere because you you know you have this sort of foreshadowing uh with the music with the way that all these guardians are meeting together and they're like what's what's the big alert about you know why are we being called into this meeting they don't know who called them and then the music right. they can't trace it mm-hmm. and then the music just cuts out and we just see omni man who in this case i would say was ominous man <laughs> <laughs> oh god sorry uh you just fly in and then just you know at first it's like okay he's fighting the guardians we've seen superheroes fight each other before you know, whatever there's, I think there's yeah. actually still music at that point, 
But then he grabs, you know, the only reason that the Guardians are getting killed is because Red Rush, you know, the Flash character, is saving everybody. He's going around and he's making sure that Omni-Man can't hit anybody because he knows if Omni-Man lands one punch... You know, most yeah, yeah, most of the guardians are gone, and so finally he just grabs Red Brush, it squeezes his face, and th- and then this is where the music sort of, uh, it, it sort of takes like a sinister tone, makes like yeah, it's like a sinister tone, and then once the head just cru- is crushed, it just cuts off, and there's nothing. It's silence, and all you hear are the sounds of the dismemberment of the guardians and that was brutal yeah that was that was really awful (laughs) and but i was hooked i was like i have to know what happens next yeah exactly and so you you so then you come on come into the second episode and you're you're still quaking from this just insanity and then you meet this sort of uh Hellboy slash Constantine type character, um, who's like this detective, who's just this super yeah, Damien Damien Darkblood, who's just this really really interesting character, like really fascinating. Right off the bat, I was like, okay, I I would watch a show just about him, and it's and then yeah. they just keep introducing these like sort of random little pockets of the universe, right? And every single yeah. one may have just some sort of tangential small part of the overall story that we're following, but you can tell there's a depth of world there. And it's like, I want to know more about that. I, I found myself saying that every single episode. Oh, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about that. And that just gets you hyped to keep watching the show and to keep, you know, watching future seasons. Yeah. I was to kind of go off on a, on a tangent with design. Yeah. Um, I was particularly surprised at how, you know, to me, the character designs uh, are not super intriguing, uh, yeah. except for Omni-Man. I don't know what it is about his design, but it's just <laughs> yeah, kind of perfect for his character. It but is. the rest of them feel a little uninspired in some portions. They just kind of feel like okay. colorful superhero costume. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about the way the story is told is it really takes the narrative and makes them interesting as people outside mm-hmm. of like their hero. Yeah. Like them as heroes, if that makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's sort of kind of the point because I think, I think a lot of, a lot of superhero, you know, stories that we've gotten in like mainstream media, at least, um, particularly on the screen have been, you know, their abilities or their, you know, costume design are what's exciting, you know? And it's like them as people are like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like part of this to me, uh, we, this is a whole different discussion, but I think like Batman V Superman comes to mind because all the character design of Batman is like insane and like, like super cool. And that got me so hyped for the movie, but the movie itself was like, okay, whatever. Whereas this kind of flips that the other way around where it has these gen- relatively generic, you know, costume designs or, you know, character designs. But really, right. it's because they're kind of relying on you as the viewer to have this sort of, you know, knowledge that 
since we've had superheroes be like the center of the mainstream, you know, pop culture for the past, you know, two decades almost, um, you know, you have this sort of idea of what these characters, who these characters are. You know, you, you see Red yeah. Rush and you're like, oh, that's the Flash. You know, you see uh, Omni-Man and you're like, oh, that's Superman. And, you know, you can kind of, right, you're kind right. of making your own connections there. So they can focus. War Woman is Wonder Woman in, in that nature. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so you can kind of use those, um, you know, those ideas that we already have. And they can just sort of build their own characters within sort of those parameters, in a sense. And then sort of shift the boundaries as they see fit. Especially, you know, with Omni-Man. <laughs> right, right. And Omni-Man is definitely the most compelling character. Yeah. Out of all of them. He he steals the show. And, you know, I asked you what got you into watching it. Uh, what got me solely into watching it was J.K. Simmons. As soon as I heard he was involved, <laughs> I was imme- I just was immediately in. Oh, yeah. In. Um, and he did a phenomenal job with his performance. Oh, yes. As he always does. As he I mean, no does. surprise there. Yeah. But, yeah, Omni-Man was one of those characters that... You know, like you said, it's that take on Superman, like an evil Superman. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of done in a very different way. You know, yeah. a lot of the um, ways in which an evil Superman comes out is like, did you ever see Brightburn? I, I haven't yet, no. Have you? Okay, well, yes, I did see Brightburn. Um, and Brightburn is one of those films where it's a, I believe it's a James Gunn film, actually. Yeah, I think you wrote it, right? Yeah. Um it kind of follows the Superman origin story where yeah. it's, you know, an alien from another planet who is like a baby that crashes on Earth and is raised by, you know, a small town family. Yeah. Um, and he eventually turns, you know, evil. Like once he realizes he has his powers and he kind of gets he kind of goes through this deal where it's something in his like biology or DNA or his nature is causing him to, you know, yeah lash out and and become evil and then he ends up killing everybody and it's really scary because what do you do in this case like that yeah um that's kind of that's kind of the typical evil superman trope Mm -hmm. that gets used as him coming as a kid uh but i was really intrigued by omni-man because it kind of showed what happened if superman grew up on a krypton that was uh you know very evil and then came to the earth yeah posing as superman i guess yeah yeah no i 100 percent agree i thought that was so exciting because you get you know we're we're you know the idea of like an evil superman is not new you know but like right. we're getting these this new take on it that's that's refreshing you know and i think you know we can get into this a little bit later but we get that with the boys as well um which is really fascinating um and I like how it kind of like to cut you off real quick, uh-huh. it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier with the guardians of the globe, you know, them all being killed and how, how shocking that was mm-hmm. uh, on the Omni-Man origin story with Viltrumite being this planet uh, where they are like the best of the best. Um, but it's through this, you know, Darwinian system of weeding out the weak yeah. is really, you know, a challenging of your expectations because, mm-hmm. You've, you're put into this world where you have these preconceived notions of, you know, these characters and, and these typical roles, what they are, where they come from. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really flipping that on its head. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it's it's really um, 
kind of terrifying too because you see that Omni-Man is just one Viltrumite. Like he's just one and they only send one to like each right like planet to to conquer the entire planet because they're so confident. And he is fucking unstoppable. Unstoppable. Literally not a single like he the only person that even does anything to hurt him in any small way is um um the immortal and like yeah and like even then it was it it was like he you know hurt his eyes just gouged out yeah he just put his thumbs in his eyes yeah that's like it and um yeah and he's just one and they like and he's he's like so ridiculously old like he's probably over a thousand years old at this point right like are you talking about omni-man or the immortal omni-man sorry yeah, Omni Man yeah. is yeah. He's got to be at least a couple yeah. hundred years old. Yeah, because he was saying that you know they're gonna live for thousands of years as as Viltrumites and like they this whole you know when he was describing how it was all the you know survival of of the fittest to make sure that the strongest of their race survives. That was before Omni Man was alive. That that happened. You know, like. Like that was happening a long time ago, so they've they already went through that. They're already at their strongest, and they've been at their strongest for a long time, and so that's that's like how resolute that they are. Like in the like you know like their resolve to to you know their their point of view of how they're yeah you know making sure that they control every planet to you know as they think protect every planet. <laughs> Um, yeah, I got the impression, though, that it was kind of a continuing process. Not that necessarily they, like, woke up one day and weeded out all of the weak and it was done and now it was all the strong. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I misinterpreted it. I, th- I got the impression that it was a constant process. Well, I mean, yes, it is. But it but they they described it as sort of a war. But, like, the war was, like, basically over. Because if they were still doing it, then they wouldn't be like working together as much. You know what I'm saying? Cause like oh, they yeah, had no, that, that sort of, that makes sense. They had yeah, sort of, that, he was put as a Lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they had that like flashback of, you know, just utter chaos of just people, you know, murdering each other on Viltrumite. Um, right, but I mean, right, I'm sure that right. it's still, you know, they're obviously not stopping, you know, bettering themselves, but, um, but at, at the very least it's been going on for, you know, bef- since before Omni-Man was alive. So like, um, yeah, it's just, it's just absolutely insane that that's, that that's just like the stakes that they're setting up. And I'm really excited to see how they continue with that. Yeah, I am too. I, I really am interested to see how they approach the next season. If it's just going to be an Omni-Man villain, looming in the distance and we've got to get strong to fight him or if they're going to kind of introduce more of the outside world yeah because at the end when he's meeting when mark is meeting with the alien on the moon it yeah. kind of implies that you know since omni-man left and viltramite never leaves their post yeah. and it was you know news like intergalactic news yeah. that would um potentially have an effect on the earth or the intergalactic political climate yeah. i guess you could say yeah yeah and um you know this so so what i'm kind of hoping for and of course this is you know coming off of me not not having known or not knowing anything about what's in the comics but i'm really kind of hoping that they do sort of this since it is you know like you said intergalactic news i'm hoping that they do sort of like 
maybe they try to recruit help, you know, since they know that like yeah. Earth is since, you know, the superheroes on Earth now that they know that like Viltrumites are more than likely going to be going coming after them. Maybe they try to recruit help or maybe um, since it is intergalactic news, maybe some other really strong, um, you know, group or race of people from, you know, aliens or something try to come in. Um, destroy like earth based on that but but also they don't need to do anything like that because they've already set up so many different threads you know right. like with the um with the Mahler twins um yeah yeah you know you got the those the race of aliens that came in when the ones who you know at first were being killed or being like rapidly aging you know and then they like the you know what I'm talking about um, yeah, because they had that. Well, they're taken care of. Omni Man destroyed them. Well, no, because they had that little snippet in the end of the last episode. You remember that? Oh, I must have completely missed. Yeah, that. Yeah, they had like a snippet from that world. I don't remember exactly if. I don't remember exactly. I remember seeing a snippet from Mars where the astronaut had come back. Yeah, there was that as well. That's another little thread with the. Um, the astronaut and the basically the the, fl- the flood the, the flood yeah, like the flood. yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> like aliens but there was I remember, I'm trying to remember let me see I'll, I'll I'll figure it out but um anyway in the meantime you know while Invincible definitely is very I don't want to say fantastic it is very fantastic but it's it's very it's not really very grounded. Um, in mm-hmm. any sort of reality as much as you can with a superhero show. Uh, the Boys is kind of its opposite in that regard. The Boys really tries to bring the idea of, you know, superheroes and superheroes that are not morally strong. Yeah. Um, and bring it into a very grounded reality. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I complained earlier about kind of having that superhero fatigue. And I felt it more with the boys than I did with Invincible, mm-hmm. but to a uh, to a very small degree. I mean, the boys was was incredible. the The boys, especially in the way that they, um, you know, approach how superheroes would kind of function in a capitalist, yeah, society. Yes, and you know the money that can be made from that because it is kind of like a art imitates life thing where. You know, we essentially have that big private industry now. We just, they're fictional superheroes rather mm-hmm. than real superheroes. But I mean, the power of those corporations, you look at like Disney, you look at Warner Bros, you look at Sony, all these companies that, you know, own these superhero mascots. They're massive companies with a whole lot of pull. Yeah. Um, and it really takes that idea and the fear, you know, a lot of people have of, Oh, well, Google could just rule the world or Amazon could just rule the world and really takes it a step further um, by showing that, you know, they actually could. What's stopping them? They've become so powerful, not only in physical power, mm-hmm. but in, you know, economic and influential power that they essentially are more powerful than the government. And they're just this, you know, the constant story continuing throughout is this co-opting yeah. of the government by the in, uh, the private industry. Yeah. And it, it's so funny because it's it's this, you know, the boys is really an effective, you know, critique of 
capitalism and then sort of very realistic idea of if superheroes existed in America, they would definitely, you know, be controlled by, you know, corporations. Um, but it's also very funny and ironic that it's, you know, this is being told by, uh, Amazon prime, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that is, that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, okay. So actually real quick, I, yes, I do. I just looked it up. <laughs> there was a little thing at the end, uh, the Flaxons, the 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 quick aging Flaxons, um, they had a little snippet where they were, you know, plan- still planning to uh, invade Earth, and they but now they're especially pissed at Omni Man <laughs> for okay. obvious reasons. I missed that completely. That maybe I was just so shocked by the finale. Yeah, yeah, the finale was just. So here's, if if you don't mind me going back to Invincible a little bit. Um, oh, I mind. <laughs> um, no, you're fine. Yeah, well, I don't care. So, um, okay. <laughs> I, the thing that I really thought was effective throughout the entirety of um, this season of Invincible is that it really kind of shows you why the title is Invincible, like why why he chose that as his name. Or not why he chose like not why he chose that as name, but why that name fits him so well. So basically what I mean by that is at the beginning, you know, when he first is like, Oh, I call me Invincible, that's my superhero name, whatever. Everybody was like, That's a bit optimistic, don't you think? You know? <laughs> and then <Yeah>. a- <laughs> as the series goes on, you start to realize it's not so much optimistic as it is realistic. And and, and that's not a good thing. Because then by the end you're realizing that Mark is not invincible in that he can take on anything necessarily. It's he's invincible in that he just can't die. Like it's just it's just right. ridiculously hard for him to die because he's part Viltrumite. And you that doesn't mean, you know, that, that sure that means, oh yeah, well he's gonna be a great superhero to protect Earth. Sure. Yeah, but that also means that he's gonna get the shit kicked out of him where he's basically half dead. Uh over and over and over for thousands of years. That's going to happen to yeah. him. He's going to have every bone broken in his body over and over and over. And he's going to recover every single time. And that is depressing. Yeah. Because you... No, s- that's that's a good point I didn't even think about. Especially because the first episode sets it up so optimistically. Yeah. And then the whole rest of the season, you pretty much just see nothing but Mark just get the living hell beat out of yeah. him over and over. Yeah. Because you see, you know... Um, uh, when Machine Head, you know, and, and, uh, what was that, uh, the Battle Beast, yeah, when Battle Beast was working for Machine Head, and you see him just demolish Invincible, I thought, I was like, are they gonna kill him right now? Like, because there's no yeah, way he survives. Yeah, that's what I happening. I was like, there's no way he survives this. And then he does. And then it happens again. And then his dad does it over and over and over. And and can I just say, I I it's it's been hard for me not to think about that scene when Omni Man holds Mark up as a train just blows through him. So Mark oh, has yeah. to watch as his own body murders everybody on that train. That yeah was brutal. 
Yeah, that was. I think that was definitely the most brutal scene in the series. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I think what was by far the best scene mm-hmm. in the series, and it kind of goes to the theme you're talking about, mm-hmm. with you know he's invincible and it's kind of his curse, is Omni Man in the in the meme moment. Yes, where he's like, think, think, Mark, Mark think. Um, is you know he's explaining to him, you live these thousands of years, and all of these people you love are going to die. Mm-hmm. They're all going to die, and you're going to move on, and you're still going to be alive for all of these hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and at the end of that, when you've saved this world and the world all blows up and there's nothing left, what are you going to have? What are you going to have? And he just says, "I'm going to have you, Dad." Oh, that was by far, I think, just captured the entire theme of the show yep. captured perfectly Omni-Man and Invincible's character arcs together. Yep. As well as, you know, really showing that he's kind of accepted that curse. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that is like a perfect moment that cannot be overstated. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree with you. That was, that was a really effective moment. I was, yeah, and and I, that whole episode, that whole finale, I thought, I was worried, and, and I, I think, I feel like a lot of people probably were too, I, you know, that they were just going to have Omni-Man, who's been built up as this insanely powerful, uh, you know, being, um, you know, go up against Mark, and then I was, you know, kind of afraid that Mark... You know, he's going to have some sort of hero moment, character moment, stand up to his dad and then beat his dad. Or at least, you know, like, yeah, beat I was him a little worried about that too. to a certain extent, which that would not have felt earned whatsoever. And this made what the way it did go made much more sense. And I was worried that if they, you know, either way they did it, you know, if they did it the, you know, the opposite way and just had Omni-Man just beat the living hell out of Mark, I was worried like, I, I just didn't know where they could go with that. And so I was really impressed. Yeah, how do you, how do you, I didn't expect him to leave. No. I really didn't expect that. No. I was a little curious, you know, okay, Mark is clearly the only contingency they have against him. Yeah. And he doesn't stand a fucking chance. Yeah. So what are they going to do? How are they going to get him? How are they going to take him out? And then, you know, kind of, you talk about the threads it's set up for the next season is mm-hmm. that spark where he you know mark is both viltrumite and human and when omni man you know has that memory of him playing baseball mm-hmm. and you know he has that he, he hits that home run or whatever yeah and he's cheering for him and he hugs him and it's like in that moment he realizes that not only does he love mark as a viltrumite but he loves him as a human as well yeah he loves both sides of it because that's his son. Mm-hmm. And that's when he realizes he can't, one, he can't bring himself to kill his son. And two, he doesn't understand how he feels about the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought that was just like the best way they could have ended that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it, and it really, uh, I'm really glad they did it that way too, because the stark contrast in the two different people we saw in episode one you know the the loving father earthly protector omni-man and the omni-man that murders the guardians um that contrast it was it was so drastic 
that I, I just I had no idea how they're going to reconcile the two. And so the idea right. that he's been living for, you know, a thousand years or, or so and has always had this absolute resolve of what his, you know, what his duty is and then finally ultramite purpose mm -hmm, and then finally that's built up and then it's only been in the past what 30 to 40 years that he's been you know actually at or earth you know getting ready to fulfill his duty and that is such a small fraction of his entire life so so it's such a small fraction that i was like okay so how so like, or, you know, that, it okay, now I understand that, you know, how he could, you know, so easily just turn on the guardians. I understand that now, but then right. they go one step further and say those 30 to 40 years weren't nothing. And then that was, that was, it was honestly very optimistic given, you know, the circumstances that this person who's only spent, you know, maybe like a 10th, the 20th, even a 30th, like that small amount of his life. on earth you know uh right that time on earth and i love that scene you know with uh when he's watching mark play baseball as a kid um that time on earth really has affected him you know you see that genuinely when he starts to cheer for his son because at first he's just being this absolute prick and he's like Oh, I could get a much better view above and this game is stupid and blah, blah, blah. Just being an absolute douchebag. And then right. seeing the little tiny joys that are human, you know? And so it's very optimistic and it's a very human story. And so I like what you said, you know, about how he loves his son as a human as well. It's not, he doesn't just love him as a Viltrumite and that makes him question right. everything about earth because, you know, if, if, that's how he feels about his son. Then how how does he feel about other humans? You know, other people that he's had relationships with. You know, um, I, yeah. I, not only does it have him question his views about Earth, but it has him question his views about Viltrum. Yes, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. As much as we can tell from that that moment where he mm-hmm. just pieces out. Yeah, and it's like you know they've snuffed out every you know little tiny joy that maybe all these different planets have had, and it's like what what have you know. Yeah, so he's starting to question everything, but we don't even... He doesn't even have to say that, you know? Right. He just... We, we get it through such little dialogue and, and interaction that we understand, you know, how he's feeling. And, yeah, that that was really impressive and effective. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, I completely agree. But I will say, the probably most brutal line in the entire series was when Omni-Man's like, your mother was more of a, a pet to me. Oh, yeah. He's oh. like, don't you love mom? He's like, yeah, like a pet. Like a pet. <laughs> Oof. Oh, that was brutal. Yeah. Oh. What's what's her name again? Debbie? Yes. Yeah, Debbie did not have a great day. Yeah. Oh. Got to watch that. Well, now that we're done talking about awesome Invincible, let's get on to the dog shit boys. Fucking no, dumb boys. No, no, I love the boys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of the it's kind of like a capitalism. Well, it is. It is very clearly a yes. capitalism critique. Mm-hmm. The entire thing is. Um, and more so, it it feels like it's a American critique. Yeah, because you know capitalism has 
not only driven this like production of the superhuman chemical um that you know compound v yeah that you know gives people powers but it's also forcing them to give it to you know terrorists and yeah. stuff and create these supervillains in order to keep their industry yeah. alive and booming and to give them more control mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and i i really um I really like how it's it's not just, you know, Homelander is like obviously this sort of superhero. He's very much like Superman, but it's like a Superman mixed with Captain America. So it's like you're taking the powers of Superman and putting them on this, uh, uh, he, uh, you know, living embodiment of American propaganda. Um, right. And then that's the villain of the entire series. <laughs> That, right. That's I, I it's very clear what they're trying to do with it. Um but it's effective, I think. Yeah, he's he's very similar to Omni-Man in the way that, you know, any scene he's in, you feel nervous about cuz you're like, mm-hmm. what is he going to do? Like is he just going to take this person out mm-hmm. right now? Because he can. He can kill anybody he wants and he knows that he can and he has no problems doing it. So yeah, it's terrifying. It, it is anytime he's in a scene. Um I I remember when I first when the boys first came out, cause that, I think, I feel like the boys was like the first, like, I don't know, major story that we've seen. That's like so close to, uh, uh, you know, the typical superhero, uh, story that we have, uh, not story, like the typical, like superheroes that we know, um, right. That is just utterly brutal and, uh, pessimistic Done with such a high production quality as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, like having, you know, um, the basically Quicksilver slash, you know, flash type character, uh, a train just absolutely demolish and, and crush this woman, uh, you know, Huey's in the first few minutes, in the first yeah, few Robin. minutes, Robin. Yeah. And he's just holding like that, that scene, like that gets hooked right away. Um, and so there are definitely very many parallels, you know, to draw obvious, obvious parallels to draw between the boys and invincible. And I think they both do it very well in very different ways too. Right. Yeah. While invincible kind of feels like it's, it's trying to flip your notion of superheroes on its head and kind of explore mm-hmm. a different kind of superhero story. Yeah. The boys feels a lot like it's a, you know, political commentary. Yeah. And, and mostly is designed to serve this satirical and, and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, negative, I guess works <laughs> <laughs> approach to exploring capitalism. Yeah. Like, like pessimistic private industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I feel like they're very different in that regard. Yeah. Um but they are similar in terms of like Superman equals bad guy. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> and, and while Homelander and Omni-Man are definitely very different characters. Mm-hmm. Um with very different motivations, very different backstories. They're like they're almost um, not even similar at all, other than the fact of, of their powers. Yeah, honestly, because uh, I feel like Homelander's a lot more unhinged. I think. Um, 
than Omni-Man is. Like, Omni-Man definitely feels more, uh, what's the word? Um, he knows what he's got to do and he's going to do it. He's, he's more determined, like absolutely determined with no, like nobody can change his mind about what he's going to do. Whereas Homelander's just like, you know, you don't know what I'm going to do because I'm crazy. I'm I'm fucking insane. You know? Yeah. It kind of reminds me a lot of like the nature versus nurture. Thing. <laughs> I, What's so I, funny? About I, that? I feel like I know where you're going with this with Homelander, but yeah. yeah. So you know, Omni Man is kind of like it, he he was definitely like nurtured. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's supposed to Invincible represent the nature and the nature versus nurture. To, um, I guess I don't know what you would call it situation. Yeah, where Mark is supposed to be nurtured, and that's why he has so much compassion. Yeah. Um. But, you know, when you kind of compare Omni-Man with Homelander, you can make the argument that that Homel- or that Omni-Man's, you know, purpose and motivation and things of like that were nurtured through his, you know, upbringing, what he experienced mm-hmm. on Viltrum. And so that's what drives his motivation. Yeah. Whereas Homelander being completely a science experiment mm-hmm. and having no nurture at yeah. all, just literally being grown in a lab is purely nature. And so he has no distinct motivation because he has no values instilled in him. He's desperate for, um, breast milk, you know, yeah, there's that, (laughs) but he's desperate for like parental figures. He's desperate for some sort of direction. He has this massive ego because Mm he didn't get any attention outside of, you know, looking like, uh, an an object, a toy. Oh, look at how incredible his powers are. And so that's what allows him to, or that's what forces him to believe that that attention is, is positive. That's, that's how, you know, you've succeeded. That's the attention he knows. He doesn't understand having connections or relationships or things like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing about him. Yeah, the whole per- him looking for a parental figure um is very interesting. And I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's a very that's a very good assessment, I think. That that's that's like they were very effective in portraying that um because Homelander's definitely looking for a mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that his yeah. And eventually he doesn't understand it. So, you know, this mother figure that he has this like weird sexual relationship with, um, because he doesn't quite understand what a parental relationship is supposed to look like. Yeah. He eventually ends up murdering her because, you know, she's given all of this attention to this baby. Yeah. He feels like he's being neglected like a sibling. And then once it all comes to a head, he he doesn't understand why she has all these strong emotions for this baby. He doesn't understand why she's not concerned with him out, mm-hmm. outside of this this context. And so he just he just laser beams through her skull. Yeah, yeah. You want know, to talk about brutal? Yeah, Freud failed to consider that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't in the that wasn't in any of his publications. No, no. Um, yeah, I I think that there are very there are vast differences between 
the boys and invincible each of which has its own merits i think a lot of people should really explore because i think the the fact that they sort of i feel like they can be easily just be like compared like oh these are basically the same show simply because it's more realistic about how superheroes powers will affect the real world you know because like i feel like in a in a lot of in most you know uh in in every single like marvel cinematic universe film and most dc films uh you you get these these characters and as they use their powers you know when it comes to just human physicality uh, you know, and, and, and how they interact with just regular humans, it's not as realistic. It's like, you know, if, if Superman can't just punch a human, you know, like he can't just do right. that because if he does that, they die, they'll, they'll, they'll die. Like he'd have to really basically his version of just tap, you know, like, right. So you, but you can't really, you know, if you're trying to, appeal to a wide audience which obviously most superhero stories are because they're you know they started off as like comics and 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 cartoons and still obviously are i'm not saying you know right but um you know that you know you typically think about like kids having you know reading these or watching these so obviously you're gonna you know kind of tone it down for the kids but if you really think about it (laughs) you know for a little bit you're like oh yeah this this does make sense if they did use this superpower it probably would be a lot more graphic uh and 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 a lot more destructive than we you know typically see right no absolutely um and yeah i mean i feel like We'll have a lot more to say on the boys when season three comes out. We yes. can do like a more comprehensive review. Absolutely. Um, on that. Uh, with it in Invincible, it was really just, it's really relevant and especially in kind of exploring that, you mm-hmm. know, Superman is evil kind of trope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of in wrapping up that topic, do you have anything else you want to say on the boys or Invincible other than everybody go watch it? <laughs> yes. And if you've already seen it, go watch it again. Yes, absolutely. Go watch it. Um, definitely it's a breath of fresh air, I think, um, since we I completely just, agree. just had all these superhero movies and shows that all feel, you know, they have the same themes, you know, this is something that's different. I mean, it is superheroes, but that's the point. It's superheroes, but it's totally, di- it's not anything you'd expect. Um, yeah, I guess the, the best way I describe it is it. As opposed to, you know, the Marvel and DC stuff, these two shows are not afraid to not play it safe. Exactly. Yep. There are no, so, no holds barred, for sure. Yeah. So next, let's talk about E3. The big event that everybody, <laughs> all commentators and YouTubers all hate because they had an issue in years past where they leaked everybody's information. Oh, Huh. Yeah. I did not, not know great. That. Yeah. But they're they're here they're here to stay, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so you know, E3 is gonna be all digital this year. Okay. We should get a lot of interesting game announcements, Ooh. especially since the new consoles came out, what was it, the end of last year? Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. End of twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the AAA studios that have been working on stuff for the new generation, uh, 
have really not released it yet because it's so new. And so mm. we should see a lot of exciting stuff for the Xbox Series X and the PS5. Awesome. Things like that. I'm, um, I'm excited. As well as, yeah, as well as, uh, you know, some Nintendo stuff. I think everybody is really on the edge of their seats for uh, Breath of the Wild 2. Um, and now you've played Breath of the Wild 1, haven't you? Not all the way through, but yes, I've I've played a decent bit of it, yeah. Okay, so why have the fuck haven't you played it all the way through? Uh, it's <laughs> if you want the full story. Um, well, basically, I was playing it on my dad's Switch, um, and then my dad gave the Switch to my sibling, uh, and when I finally got a Switch, I started really playing Animal Crossing a ton and then um, okay. odyssey and i just haven't gotten around to buying it and and playing through it again so you don't have breath of the wild i don't have breath of the wild no i i, I so yeah. you're telling me you're telling me not only did you buy fucking mario party oh you bought man. mario and sonic this, at the olympic this games again? before you fucking <laughs> bought breath of the wild Ooh, i i don't have good taste yeah, you looked on the shelf and went, ah, Breath of the Wild, a game I've played and loved. It's got all these great reviews. No, fuck that. Give me Mario and Sonic uh, at the Olympics. Yeah. You know, sometimes I question my own choices, but I stand by them sometimes. Yeah, well, you, you'll you be the only one standing by <laughs> I, I'll buy it. I'm buying it right now. It's in It's in the cart, and okay. I'm checking it right now. So, Okay, good. Um. So hopefully you'll get around to beating it before Breath of the Wild 2 comes out. <laughs> no spoilers, um, but please. Hopefully we should see something about that this summer at E3. Yeah. Um, it is Zelda's, I think, 35th anniversary this year. Oh, they got to be doing something. So, yeah, I mean, they're already they're releasing Skyward Sword HD. It's supposed uh, to come out this summer. Um, We'll see if there's anything else. You know, there's been rumors of like a Zelda collection coming out, which would be awesome. That'd be sick. But we have nothing for sure. I'm sure if there is anything, E3 would be the place to hear about it. Yeah. But the reason we're talking about E3 today is some new companies have announced that they're going to be, you know, joining the party, so to speak. Mm. Uh, before we had Nintendo, which we knew was going to happen, mm-hmm. Xbox, Ubisoft, Warner Bros. Games, which little tangent there um warner sold you know a lot of the division controlling dc comics to uh discovery recently oh. or i guess at&t sold it because at&t owns warner oh my goodness so that's kind of people are worried about what's going to happen with warner bros games specifically you know the arkham series suicide squad killed the justice league what's that gonna um, look like yeah um who knows? Maybe we'll get an updated E3, kind of get an idea. I assume that, you know, at least Suicide Squad, it's probably so far in development that it's it would be dumb not to finish it and just release it. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. I don't know. Um, And Take-Two Interactive was originally going to be there. Everybody's hoping for a GTA 6. Uh, <laughs> it's been like, what, oh my 11 goodness. years maybe? Is, is hasn't, it, did, hasn't it been on three different consoles? Right, like PS3, yeah, PS4, like and generations. You mean generations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it has been. It's like Skyrim at this point, where it's just yeah. going to keep getting ported to everything. Didn't they? And speaking of Skyrim, oh my lord! Didn't they uh, announce the Elder Scrolls Six 
like two years ago or so? I believe so. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't keep up with the Elder Scrolls oh, as man. much. Yeah, and then they just had. I just I don't I don't keep up with it a ton, but I I loved Oblivion, I loved Skyrim. I even watched, uh, you know, Morrowind a little bit. But oh, they're they're all so good, and it, and I just yeah, I just want them to do yeah, another no, already. It looks, like, it looks like Elder Scrolls Six was announced in 2018. Three years ago. Oh my lord. <laughs> and it looks like. According to this article, I'm looking on Tech Radar, just says, we're hoping that this will be the year we hear more about the future of Elder Scrolls <laughs> 6. Get some solid answers. Oh, yeah. Because um, that's Bethesda. Bethesda is owned by Microsoft. So yeah. Microsoft should be there. Bethesda um, went out to get the milk on a t- random Tuesday like a decade ago and still hasn't returned. Yeah, seriously. Um, newly announced for E3, though, we have Square Enix. You know, after their fucking rock solid Balan Wonderworld that came out and <laughs> fell flat. Well, they recently uh, did the the remakes of uh, uh, Final Fantasy, right? Like like two of them yeah. or something. Yeah, they did. It was Final Fantasy seven. I know part one came out. I don't know if part two ever gotcha. came out. Gotcha. Maybe there'll be more at E three. I'm hoping it comes to PC. Yeah. Because I don't have the moolah to be buying a PS five to play Final Fantasy. <laughs> um. Sega, my boy Sonic, hopefully, hear something from him. Yeah. Uh, with Sega's track record, though, probably, probably fucking not. <laughs> um, it's his, what, 30th anniversary, I think? He was 91. Yeah, 30 years. Um, Bandai Namco is also going to be there. They're probably going to talk about, you know, DLC with uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot that's supposed to come out this summer. Um, and then... Gearbox, unfortunately, will be there. <laughs> uh, not a big Borderlands fan. I am not a big Borderlands fan. Um, for as for who won't be at E three, Konami won't be there. Uh, they do kind of the Metal Gear series in Castlevania, and then Sony hasn't been there for several years. They've done their own state of play around oh. then, anyways. So nothing new there. Um, I think they're supposed to be doing a state of play here in the next couple weeks. Or maybe they'll be at Summer Games Fest. Yeah. Summer Games Fest is held by Amazon, and it's the week before E3, and oh. it's like all the same stuff. <laughs> That's funny. So everybody's kind of trying to get rid of E3. Yeah. Wow. So That's a lot. That's a lot. I can't wait till that happens, because we're going to have a lot to talk about. Yes. Um, which will be good, because you know, in terms of video game stuff, it's been super quiet because of the pandemic. Nobody yeah. really knows. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to commit to anything because they don't know how far along anything is. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, and now to cap off, we have All right. our segment, Nothing New. Here we go. Covering the the one, the only, New Moon. New Twilight Saga New Moon. It should be titled Twilight Saga. Bella needs to go to a therapist. Um... Because yeah, there's so much to unpack in all of these. So right off the bat, I'm just going to issue, uh, well, not only just a spoiler warning for New Moon, which whatever, um, but also a, a trigger warning because we're going to be probably getting into uh, some talk about suicide uh, just because that is a topic that is of heavy discussion uh, throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Um, 
and so we're definitely we're going to try to keep it light but we'll probably get into that topic so just just a fair warning um but anyway um what did you think uh, upon rewatching this so um i definitely i was going into it expecting it to be worse than the first movie mm-hmm. um and i definitely don't think it was good i i don't know if i would say it was better than the first movie <laughs> you might disagree with me but it uh-huh. definitely felt far less offensive and cringy than the first movie did Yes, I, I would I would agree with that. Um, given the sort of strong themes of the source material, mature themes of the source material, I think it, I think I'd agree. They definitely were more sensitive this time around than they were the first one. Um, in my opinion, this is a much better movie than the first one. Um, okay, so you do think it's better? I do. I I don't necessarily think it's great. I think that a lot of people like to clown on it. Uh, and, and yeah, I know us too, but just, but I think a lot of people, <laughs> when they do that, they're doing it just because, you know, when these came out, it was like the cool thing to do to like clown on tw- the twilight series or like, Oh, it, it's right. just like, it's just for teenage girls, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, maybe so, but I, I, you know, going into it now with a more open mind, um, I didn't hate it. I, I really didn't. And I was surprised that I didn't like, not that I would have like totally despised it, but, but like. I have, you know, my qualms with it, but I think most of the things that were wrong with this were there were just like story flaws and toxic relationships, I think was a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, no, and that's fair. Um, so you become a new moon apologist. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I would say that, but then when we start talking about things, I have a lot of things to say that will definitely make it seem like I'm not, because um, I'm going <laughs> to tear this movie to shreds in a second um but um <laughs> yeah let's 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 get into it i have a couple things to start off with that yeah, seem yeah. like they're a little little before your notes mm-hmm. so first of all i watched this movie with autumn and yeah. um when she starts in the beginning and she's like walking out in the meadow mm-hmm. and she sees like the old lady she thinks is her grandma and it yeah. turns out to be yeah like her uh-huh. i i was watching and i asked i was like what the fuck is going on and Autumn <laughs> just goes oh she's freaking out because now she's a year older than edward and i out loud went oh fuck off uh. really <laughs> she's like oh my gosh i'm aging i know and that's like the big like one of the biggest themes throughout the whole movie is her just worrying that she's getting older and older i'm like bella you're 18 you're 18. Yeah, you met this dude less than a year ago. Yeah, you're so young. And also, this dude is, like, in his hundreds. You know? Like, he's old. He's, like... Yeah. He's... Like, he looks... He just looks 17. And so it's basically just, like, she doesn't want to look older than him. I But I, I understand, yeah, like, which it's... Is it's like- Go on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> which I understand is, like... Um, you know, sort of just representative of her worrying about how she's going to grow old and die and, and he's going to live on without her or whatever. But, um, and she just wants to be a vampire, but at the same time, the way they kind of present it is as this sort of like surface level. Like, I just don't want to look old and wrinkly around you, you know? <laughs> right. And Edward's like, you is very superficial. Yeah, exactly. And Edward is like, do you not understand my love for you at all? <laughs> Also, 
So when Edward comes up and parks at the school, you mm-hmm. know, like in his first scene yes. where he shows up and he's like walking in front of the car. <laughs> if you like pause it and look, he parks he in the par- middle of the fucking road. He triple parks. Yeah. Literally. Like an asshole. Like, 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 it, yeah, it's so funny. He parks over three spots just so they can yeah, get the that. guy who's like the guy who's like oh well we're vampires we have to be very discreet uh-huh. and we have to keep we have to keep mm-hmm. to ourselves and hide in plain sight it's fucking part triple park i know the only thing that would have made that so much better is if it was like one of those giant loud ass trucks that those douchebags from high school always <laughs> had you know blows out the smoke has <laughs> 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 a flag on the back oh lord don't even but it's funny because you know they only did that for that sweet, sweet product placement, baby. Um, That's right. I don't even remember what it was, but no free clout, baby. We're not going to tell you who it was, even if we knew what it was. That's right. We don't give ads for free. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. Not for um, Amazon. Not for anything. Great music as always. Just mint. Absolutely mint. Um I loved that there was some more Radiohead. Well, I mean, it was Tom York technically, but but you know, um, yeah, you can't go I wrong. I appreciate the vibe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Edward at the beginning, just like saying, if if you if anything ever happened to you, if I if I had to live without you, I would kill myself. That <laughs> yeah, that. <sighs> buddy oh my lord that's so i mean like i understand that the idea behind that is like oh he loves her so much that he can't stand the idea of living without her but at the same time like what if bella was like trying to figure out a way to break up with edward what if what if bella wasn't as infatuated with edward as edward was is with her i know that's not the case but what if you know like let's say there's like a teenage girl watching this and she, uh, you know, or or maybe even a teenage boy watching this to see what he thinks, you know, maybe teenage girls will like. And then sees right. Edward saying, oh, if anything ever happened to you, I, you know, I kill myself. And Bella's like, you know, whatever. That that leads to some She's toxic like, you know, situations what? and some gaslighting within a relationship. That's, that's gaslighting right there, you know, like. Yeah, I mean. We said last time that Edward is a cold, hard bag of red flags. Yeah. Dude comes out of the gate with the biggest red flag of them all. Yeah. Like, oh, my Lord. The biggest manipulation tactic. Yeah. Of the century. Yeah. And it's it's all under the guise of love. And it's like, it's kind of, that's, that's my biggest qualm with, with all this entire story is just the the twisted idea of love. To me, just feels so off which is so funny because that was not at all any of the issue that was that was not really the issue i had with it when i was like in middle school high school you know reading the books right, and stuff yeah i didn't even think yeah, about but looking that. back onto it like from a healthy perspective you're yeah like, that's just so toxic and mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. yeah it's exactly. not even like endearing or interesting no it's not and it's just it's scary too to think it's like it, it just basically means love is pain because love is having to watch the people you love die and it's like that's that's a really pessimistic way to look at it yeah exactly um Um, but let's get on to let's get away from edward for a little bit he'll come back a little later let's get on to the main star of today's show jacob black jacob black um, probably my favorite thing about him right off the bat is how he gives bella as a gift 
a dream catcher, mm-hmm. which is probably the most fucking stereotypical Native American mm-hmm. thing he could have given her. Mm-hmm. Outside of like a pair of moccasins. I know, Lord Almighty, that I just. <laughs> yeah, that we, yeah, we could go on and on because they're. And she's like, this is kind of perfect. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, man. But and then she puts it on, and that's not even a good dream catcher. It doesn't fucking no, work. No, but you know what Bella needs isn't a dream catcher, it's therapy. She needs to see somebody. Yeah. She's going through it, bud. Um, but Jacob Black, yes. Uh, what a hunk. What a hunk. I gotta say. What a um, hunk. <laughs> Shark Boy's come a long way. Shark Boy has sure come a long way. Uh, it's so funny because, so you remember that scene when Bella brings the motors, the scrap metal, the motorcycles over or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, will you help me fix it up or whatever? And then I brought you a job. I brought you a job. Uh, and and then he's going to take them down. She's like, wait up, hold on. They're they're kind of heavy, and like it's supposed to be like, oh, it's nothing to him. But like if you kind of watch that yeah. part in like slow motion, he like he's definitely struggling. He's struggling with it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like just really trying not to not to show that he's struggling and then if you like you could hear for like a split second when he puts it down he goes <gasps> so it's like oh my god <laughs> it reminds me of like the kid from church camp who grabs all the chairs to show that he's like strong <laughs> yeah just like just absolutely they're on his arm like like fucking water wings as he's going he's like yeah <sighs> He's about to blow a gas. I got it, dude. I can get it by myself. I can do it. it I can do it. If Jacob can do it. Turn up really loud. You can hear him go, oh, thank God. Oh, God. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He was the star of this whole movie. Edward was, like, barely in it. Um, So there's not a lot of Edward stuff. But, I mean, here's my whole thing with Edward leaving Bella uh, to save her or whatever. I don't know. Um, the, you know, the, the, the sort of catalyst for this, right. Is, you know, Bella's opening a birthday gift and her, she cuts her finger and bleeds cuts the shit out of her finger. I've never seen a paper cut like that. I've never ever, but it looks like she was doing it on purpose. At, yeah. And at the same time, if a paper cut is all it takes for Jasper to go absolutely batshit insane, don't send him to a high school where paper cuts are kind of known for being. Because there are books and notebooks and paper everywhere. You know? Like, yeah. like, like, like. Yeah, we kind of talked about that last time. I, I yeah, this exactly. fucking insane. Exactly. But it's just, it's just funny because then they like double down. It's like literally that's all that it takes. And it's like. This dude cannot handle himself. He should not be. Yeah. And, and Yeah. And I also love how he, you know, she cuts her finger. He goes wild. Edward throws her into the fucking vases. <laughs> where she's bleeding more. Oh, my goodness. That 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 floored me. And and that kind of goes along with the, the. So they have these parallels right between Jacob and Edward, who they, they both they're both tormented because they feel like they're monsters. One, two, they're both. They both right. love Bella. Three, they both love Bella so much that they can't decide if they want to try to be with her or leave her because if they're with her, then 
they're going to get her hurt, but then if they leave her, they can't protect her, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they drop this bombshell on us that uh, Sam is like, you know, Sam, the, the pack leader or whatever of the werewolves. Right. Um, is is uh, uh, <clears throat> like he, um, you know, lost it. You know, as Jacob said, he lost it for a split second and he scarred his you know, fiance's face for life. He, and, and her face is messed up, you know, like, yeah, he brutally attacked her for a split second and he's like and all that's, torn uh, up about it. So you guys are worried you're going to be like, like physically abuse your partners. Yeah. <laughs> Get help. Yeah. Like what the fuck is that message? Get help. That's a horrible message. Oh yeah, man. and and the and the point is Bella has to prove that she's not fucking afraid to be abused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that like what the fuck is that? Oh, that was that was insane to me. That was absolutely insane to me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so if, and for that's just the cherry on top uh-huh. of horrible female writing with Bella because I mean her entire character is driven by her. With those two people, when she's by herself, she's mm-hmm. not interesting or doesn't do anything intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's weird because, uh, well, I guess, yeah, yeah, it's just I don't, I don't quite understand that because she's she literally, literally, whenever she's not with Jacob or Edward, all they show is her sulking in her room or going out into the woods to find Edward. Yeah, or, like, or there's that one time she goes out with Jessica. It's probably my favorite line oh, yeah. in the movie when they're coming out of the theater, and Jessica just goes, "Your depression thing. I totally get it. Yeah, I'm like super worried about you." <laughs> that was so funny. Oh my and goodness! I don't know why I found that so fucking hilarious. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, that movie was so. Why'd you want to see that movie? Yeah, there's no hunks in it." Oh my! She's gosh. like, "Oh, it's for the adrenaline. For the adrenaline." And it's so funny too because. Or funny and also kind of like really depressing that Bella's clearly going through all this shit and almost every character in her life just acts like they're pissed at her for it. They're like, oh my God, Bella sucks now because she's depressed or, you know, all this stuff like her friends like basically abandon her like they don't even try to help like they like try to help her when she's around. But when she's not around, they don't go out of their way to be like, hey. You know, you good? Like, they never, like, come over and be like, hey, I, you know, they never talk to him and be like, hey, I I can tell she's, you know, she's missing a lot of school. She's not hanging out with anybody. Like, literally every red flag in the book, she decided to go off with these random dudes on motorcycles who, by the way, were the blandest bad boys I've ever seen. Like, yeah. Like, he, he, he was the most generic, like, quote-unquote, bad boy like other than calling her honey and making like weird gross comments he like did nothing else to show you know oh this is a bad boy but whatever she goes and just goes off with them on a motorcycle ride which is super dangerous that's like eh, eh, eh. like like alarms should be going off in your head that this person needs like outside help like professional yeah. help yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, kind of going what you said with her needing therapy. I mean, you want to talk about Bella's schizophrenia? Schizophrenia? She has to have something like that with oh, seeing Edward. Oh, seeing Edward. Yeah, okay. So that kind of... that In the books, 
I'm trying to remember. They don't they don't do anything in the movie, obviously. But I can't remember, and I'm not gonna go too deep into this. But I, for some reason, I had this memory of Edward like actually kind of being there at some of those points. Like it was actually Edward that was doing that or something like in the books, they said that or something. And so the entire, but the, like the entire movie, I'm like thinking to myself, is this just in her head or is this real? Because if this is real and that's about the most fucked up thing that Edward could possibly do because he leaves, you know, he leaves her and she has this whole, you know, she has this thing, this one line where she's like, you said it would be like, you, you said it would be like, I, didn't never exist you're like you never existed or something like that and then she's like well you lied because she's you know seeing him everywhere and it's like i mean that's kind of true because he left her entirely and then if this is him and i'm not saying it is because maybe i'm totally off base maybe i'm just like memory remembering nothing but if you know if it was actually him then it's like he keeps showing up just to protect her being like telling her what to do and it's like, how, you know, what are we then? You know, are you just this person? Right. Like, just demanding I do things and then constantly reminding me that you exist and care about me and make me feel those feelings all over again? Like. Right, right. Yeah. But Yeah, I, I interpreted it as he was gone because he's in Rio at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, you're right. I, I. I'm just thinking and so something. I took it as like, it's also just, it's again, just shitty writing of females yeah. where her entire fucking character is driven by <laughs> the loss of a guy. Yeah. So much so that the literal thought of this guy that she's known for less than a fucking year is controlling her entire fucking life. Yeah. And I, I thought that, you know, that was effective if that's what they were doing in the movie and in the movie they definitely were doing that i was just thinking i was just trying to think if in the books they explained it a different way but it's it's funny because i'm i'm googling right now like trying to see if i'm just crazy or if i actually did remember that (laughs) so i typed in was edward and the first search result is was edward a virgin (laughs) Uh, i don't want to (laughs) know (sighs) <sighs> the 150 year old virgin anyway um but yeah how do you think he got the f- spanish flu oh is that an std no <laughs> <laughs> no not at all yeah but so her fucking schizophrenia which is the only thing that leads her to jacob yeah um is yeah this whole fucking the adrenaline junkie stuff and then we get into the whole jacob black and the werewolf plot where there's like also a bunch of red flags, like whatever the the boys show up, like his buddies, and they go, <laughs> oh, what what exactly did they say? Um, they said something along the lines of, uh, so they're talking about something, and one of the boys just says, oh, what about the part where she's your girlfriend? Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he yeah. just looks at her like <laughs> two things with that. One, why is Jacob telling people like he's not like seven? No. He's like 16. Yeah. And then, okay. And he was like, well, I said she was a girl and also my friend. And they're like, did he, do you remember him making that distinction or whatever? But it's, it's so funny too, because not only is that childish, but also the way that they like cut the scenes in the movie was that happens immediately after Bella's like, can we start now on the bikes? And then they yeah. cut to them in, you know, working on the bikes. So I just assumed it was the same. I I, I should have looked at their outfits. I, I didn't. I really didn't. No, I think notice. it was the same day. 
Yeah, exactly. So when did he tell them? Well, he's known Bella for years. Yeah, but when did he? When did he? Because they were like, "Oh, so he was he wasn't lying about the bikes." Well, that was like their first line. So like they knew about the bikes. Oh, I think I took that as yeah. I don't know. It doesn't like make any fucking sense. It yeah, doesn't fucking matter. Because they were like they were like, "Oh, he wasn't lying about the bikes," and she was like, "Yeah, he was been helping me out or something like that." Uh, and then he was like, oh, but I bet the part about the girl, you know, something about what about her being your girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's also some comment about her being pale again, which is just another, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I was, first of all, I was like, what a red flag for Jacob. And second of all, what a dick move from the boys. Yeah. Dude, what a fucking party fell. Really? Yeah. What an <laughs> asshole. And then, yeah, you have a note in here. Why'd she fucking throw the piece of pizza to Jacob? Oh, my God. That was so funny. He was across the barn. And, I thought and, the same thing, and too. And he wasn't even facing her direction. Yeah, I thought yeah. the same thing, too. I go, you, no way you just fucking threw a piece of... How are you yeah. supposed to catch that? It's all greasy and... Uh. Yeah. Thank you. Now my hand is covered in fucking tomato sauce while I'm trying to work on this fucking bike. <laughs> okay, so... It turns out I, I they left it open-ended in the book as to whether it was Edward or not, but uh, the author said that it had to have just been hallucinations. So I, I, I take back everything I said. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. You printed your retraction? <laughs> yes. Yes. My hey, retraction. so next time before you say wrong shit, why don't you know whether it's correct or not? Oh, yes. Okay. I apologize. I will do my research. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Course, all right, Sam and the boys. This is what you have written boys. here. Oh my gosh, they're a homoerotic, polyamorous group of buff ass dudes. And that's my kind of party, fucking jumping man. off cliffs, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that that was, yeah, just like the way that. So, the thing about Sam and the boys is so funny because Jacob, upon seeing Sam and the boys is laughing and saying, oh, they're just cliff diving. And then she asks them, asks him about Sam and the boys, and then his tone shifts, and he's like, they're douchebags. Sam is an asshole. You know, like, yeah, he's, fuck like him. <laughs> he's like just talking mad, like mad trash on Sam and the boys. And then later on, you know, when Jacob gets, you know, mono or whatever, and then she goes and confronts him in the rain, and he and she's like, was it Sam? Did Sam get to you? And he's like, how dare you talk about Sam like that? <laughs> Sam's trying to help me. You don't know anything about Sam. And it's like, yeah, dude, every single notion she has about Sam came from you. You told her. You told her yeah. he was he was crazy. You told her that he, you know, indoctrinated people into like a cult. That was you. Obviously, yeah. you, know, you can't be Which... mad at her for just regurgitating what you told her. Which, and I think what he was trying to do, or, the, or what they were trying to do, was show that, oh, maybe he's joined the cult or whatever, because he's got the fucking tattoo and he's oh. got his hair. No, that's totally it. But it's just funny that even, like, because obviously he did, you know, because he's became part yeah. of the pack. But it, it was just funny that, like, he got mad at her for talking trash on Sam, when he literally, that's any, the only thing she's ever heard about him up until that point was Jacob talking trash about Sam. So I just thought that was very funny. Can we talk about how before he got mono, they go to the fucking movie theater? Oh man, and, the movie theater. and Mike, Mike's sick from the movie. Uh, like pussies out and starts throwing up in the fucking oh movie theater. Gosh. But then fucking Jacob gets up. <laughs> that was like, like, 
that was like a that was like a tone shift like out of like straight out of the room like the movie the room you know like yeah. or There's like the, the happening or something and everything's fine <laughs> like, and then mike comes out he's like i was sick before the movie and then jacob goes yeah if you're sick maybe you should go to the hospital maybe i should put you in the hospital that was so funny and it, and it was also really funny because because just the way that that sort of went was like and and I I understand they're probably doing this sort of thing because like uh, didn't like Angela have the stomach flu or something so that's why she wasn't there or something so like they were like trying to do like oh something's going around or whatever, um yeah uh, I oh, think oh, so what if side note what if Mike and Angela hooked up and they both got sick together that would be crazy well, it was it was Jessica who was supposed to come and Jessica was sick no it was uh it was Angela because uh, what's his name was taking care of her. Because she was like, Angela has got sick with the stomach flu, so she won't be able to... So um, Eric is taking care of her. Really? Then that's, I'm, I'm wrong. I, I swear thought, to God it was That's Jessica. what I thought. Just because... The only reason... I mean, I could be wrong. But anyway. Um, it was just funny the way that sort of scene went. Because it started off with, um, you know, Mike getting sick. And he's like, I was sick before, you know, you can kind of tell that he's, it's not just the movie. He's like genuinely sick. Um, and he's like, I was sick before the movie. Then Jacob's like, I'll fucking kill you. And then yeah. the exact same thing happens to Jacob. Jacob is like, I'm feeling sick. I got to go. <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> so it's, it, so yeah. like, to the untrained eye, to like Mike, it's like. He got pissed at me for getting sick. Then he did my thing and got sick himself and then left. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that was so funny. Well, I I took it as he was mad at Bella because Bella was actually being really selfish where he's just like, he clearly likes her. And like, yeah, she was up front with him about the fact that like, she doesn't like him back. Uh-huh. But then she's just like putting on this whole thing where she's like, I just like need you to like just need you to like be what i want you to be and that's it and and we're done well she, and, like that's what i like i understand yeah i know i agree that it, she's definitely being selfish but she understands that she's being selfish and what i kind of took it as when she's talking to jacob there and she's saying that she you know she's admitting that she only wants him to like pursue her as a romantic interest because she likes having him around like as a friend and that she doesn't like feel the same way um she's telling him that because i think she's trying to be like this is the only reason i want you around i understand if you don't want to be around or something like that but jacob i i think jacob's worse because he's like i can't be anything other than more than a friend with you and i will only be friends with you because i have that end goal that's the only reason you know and that yeah so that was pretty messed up because, no, I agree. Go yeah. on. Just just because like he um she basically is like nothing's going to happen and he's like I'm never going to give up. And like <laughs> yeah, that's a little fucked up. That's a little okay. That's that's kind of scary to me, honestly. Yeah. Um and then yeah, there, there there were just a lot of times where he would just say something like that. Um No, where, and that makes sense. And I when I heard her talking about it and she was like I didn't get the impression that she's like, oh, if you if you're not interested in being my friend with like knowing that you're just going to be my friend, then like, oh, you're then like you're free to go or whatever. I don't know. Like, no, well, I took it as like 
she was saying nothing's ever going to happen. Like, I appreciate having you around, but I also am not okay if you're not okay with that. Like, I think it's fair for Jacob to be like, okay, well, like, I obviously really like you and you don't return my feelings yeah. and that hurts and yeah. I don't want to be your friend. Like, I just, I don't feel like I can be your friend. Yeah. I think it's super fucked up to be like, I'm never going to stop. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I, I, I agree with that too. Like, I definitely think that Bella is is definitely being, like, selfish, but I, I, I didn't really take it as her saying, oh, you're free to go necessarily. It was more like, if we're going to continue to do this, I'm going to be honest with you that this is how it is to me. And, like, that's just the only way it's going to be with me. And, and I just want you to know that. That's kind of, like, how I took it as, like, not so much you're free to go, not so much as it's okay, like I'm okay if you're going, but like more like, I don't want to lead you on any more than I already have. Like I'll have to rewatch that, you know, cause it, cause she, cause she specifically says that she's never going to f- return those feelings and that she wants him to keep chasing after her, but only because she wants him around because she makes him feel good. She makes him feel alive, but not like, romantically you know and so it's it's not so much like oh if you leave i'll be fine because obviously she won't but like before we go any further you need to know this you know and so but that leads into i need to to rewatch it and so that yeah that definitely fuels jacob's like really pissed off moment but and i and i while it was very very comical i do understand it because it it's more like Jacob's getting becoming a, a, a werewolf so it's like he's going through this physical change so it's kind of kind of like a heightened puberty type thing you know yeah. um where Jacob is Which, like real, real quick uh-huh. real quick can I ask why maybe the answer is that jorts are magical and they are not <laughs> susceptible to the werewolf transformation because they appear again but shirts are not <laughs> Well, yeah, that's so funny. Did we, I don't remember, did we see at any point, uh, like, did we see them change back from werewolf to human? Did we see that? No, we just saw them appear. Gotcha. Which, so, but I don't imagine they're carrying jorts with them. Well, like, yeah, um, yeah. The Was it Sam who saved Bella from the woods? Like, he uh-huh. found her as a werewolf and then came out with the when, jorts on. With the jorts on, that's fair. Yeah, I, I just... The, the thing it kind of implies to me, because if, you know, whenever they change, you see their their clothes, like, rip off. Like, you see in them, like, sh- like tear, you know? Like, you right. see uh, the little bits. So, the implication to me is that they just have jorts just hidden all over the forest. Like, fucking <laughs> Easter eggs, you know? <laughs> so, like, anytime they need jorts, they're like, ah, oh, well, I gotta make a stop at this, you know, jorts in Sector 5. <laughs> Fucking stashes. <laughs> stashes of unlimited shorts. Somebody's walking around the woods going, Why are there all these fucking pants out here? Yeah. Hey Embry, we're kinda low on jorts. Uh you're I think you're on duty uh today. You need to go grab the jeans and, you know, turn them into jorts for us, okay? I never fucking thought about that. <laughs> and that's all I will think about is that they just have I, fucking jorts hidden all around the woods. I hope so. All around so. the town. I really, really hope so. Um yeah, I, you know, overall, like, it was all better than the first one, I will say. Um, 
they're the story is the issues are all within the story i think the production quality is a lot better i think the action uh honestly was a lot more interesting yeah, um, the volturi are by far the coolest characters yeah the volturi are awesome i forgot about jane but she's in she's fucking terrifying but yeah, I, the Volturi are what the vampires should have mm-hmm. been. And and Michael Sheen, who plays uh, Arrow, um, is yeah. just an incredible actor in anything he's in. Uh, the Underworld movies and this, in Good Omens on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so I mean, all in all, it's it, it's not as cringy as the first one. Um, it, is, it is very has very very dangerous advice when it comes to mental yeah. health issues. Yeah. Um has very very dangerous advice for relationships. Um because the the answer is either well if I can't if you if something happens to you that I'll kill myself or mm-hmm. I'm just afraid that I'm going to abuse you yeah. and you just have to you have to convince uh, me that yeah. you're okay with that possibility. Yeah. That was Which, Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes right there. Um Yeah. I I will say one, this one one little tiny thing. I, I just was randomly thinking about it. And it's really honestly has nothing to do with what we were just talking about, so I apologize. But um there was one line that was so funny that uh, uh Jacob says to Bella, like in the rain scene, you know, the iconic rain scene where he's like pissed at her and he reveals that he knows that the Collins are vampires or whatever. He's like getting mad at her for all this stuff. And he's mad at her for lying. And he has this line where he's like, you've been lying to everyone, Charlie. And then that's it. Yeah, I thought that's it too. He's like, well, fuck, I couldn't think about anybody else. You gonna list anyone else? (laughs) Like, but it's funny because, like, literally, that's the only person is Charlie. So he's like, lying to everyone. So, so Charlie, Charlie, uh, those friends you hang out with that I saw that one time that also don't really care about you because they just kind of abandoned you in your most, you know, mentally uh, most vulnerable state. and I guess me. <laughs> and then he all, and then he ends off the conversation by going, "Don't come back again, or you're gonna get hurt." Mm-hmm. Just yeah. casually threatening her. <laughs> another, another thing that's so funny um, to me is uh, Harry, the character of Harry. Very sad. R.I.P. Harry. Um, but also was he the one that died of the heart attack. Yeah, but it was also very funny. When Bella rushes into Charlie and Harry and is like, I saw them. I saw the wolf, the, the, the bear like creatures, but they're actually wolves, blah, blah, blah. And then Charlie looks to Harry and is like, uh, you up for a hunt? And just the look on Harry's face, he's, you could just tell he's thinking, he's like, well, I don't, I don't really want to kill my friends, but I can't really admit anything. And he's like, uh, right. Yeah. I, I can get a few, a uh, few people up <laughs> and just like walks away with this like nervous look on his face. And then when right. they're like looking through the woods, uh, Charlie looks at Harry who's looking at the ground and Charlie goes, got something, Harry. <laughs> and then Charlie says, Nope. 
and then he covers up the most obvious, like, cartoonish paw print I've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> so funny. It's like, <laughs> Charlie's the worst tracker, because he was ahead of him, of Harry, so he should have seen that. Yeah. That was very Which, funny. I'm not trying to throw any Charlie slander out there. No, no. Because Charlie, Charlie's a great character, but he yeah. is he is not a good police detective. No. he just him being a cop doesn't make sense. He just shouldn't be a cop. That would just make him better in every, yeah. every conceivable I mean, he's, way. Yeah, I mean he's pure. He's he's <laughs> yeah. untouchable. But yeah. I also loved whenever uh, she finds out he's a werewolf and they're like walking on the beach. Um, Jacob and Bella, mm-hmm. and Bella's Jacob's like, you know, that's why like I couldn't have you wrecked because like you're gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, why can't you just stop? <laughs> like why can't you just stop being a werewolf? Like I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, <laughs> that was so. Funny. Why can't you just stop it? <laughs> um, I also don't understand why Victoria didn't kill her in the water. I, I guess because Jacob saved her first. <sighs> but she like, well, because Jacob, she was around there like, like flailing around, like she obviously couldn't fucking swim. Yeah. Um, and then hit her head on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. I guess then there was there was like a few seconds before Jacob actually picked her out of the water. So Victoria, yeah, and, and Victoria is stronger in the water than Jacob. Yeah, I I don't know. They the wolves won't go in the water. I don't know. That's a it's a big plot hole. Yeah, that's a plot hole. Yeah, take that, Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, but uh, you got anything else? No, I think I think that's about it. I that all that I have at least. Hopefully, Eclipse is better. Yeah. Yeah, I Eclipse was my favorite book. I remember. I I don't remember the movie very much, but I remember the book. Was, Eclipse was your favorite book. That was my favorite book by far because it was it was the most exciting. Because like with I the couldn't first tell one, you a fucking thing that happened <laughs> with Eclipse. It's all about. I think it, it's all about like Victoria, like uh, okay. fighting Victoria. The Volturi aren't really too much of a part of it. I don't think. Um, but it's it's really good because you know the first one was just setting up everything. Um, you didn't have much of Jacob. The second one was all Jacob. You didn't have much of Edward. And this one, you have both. And so there's a lot of, a lot of you know drama in that area. And then there's a lot of action in it too. So I remember that being really, really okay. exciting. But um, but I'm anxious to watch it, and I'm very yeah, very we'll excited. See how it holds up. So, but well, if you that was that was nothing new. If you have anything mm-hmm. in our segment that uh, you want us to cover. You can send us an email at digitalforestmedia at gmail.com. Yep. We'll answer all of your requests. Mm-hmm. We'll cover it. Yep. Um, and follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. We are uh, deforest media at deforest media. Uh, that's the letter D, forest media, <laughs> um, on Twitter. What, what else would it be? Deforest media, that's the letter D. Well, like like D E F O R E S T, like deforest, like the word deforest. Oh, defor- okay, you know? that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just worried. I'm a fucking idiot. Ignore me. <laughs> Shaving the bush. Remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks for bringing that back up again. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to. I gotta beat it like a dead horse. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Nothing's funny unless it's been said a million times. Honestly, though, I just should repeat every joke I've ever said. So. Yeah. That's what next episode is going to be. Um, no, but thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We are uh, Jake and Sam of the Digital Forest. Uh, yeah, check us out. We are Digital Forest on Facebook, at, and we're also at D Forest Media on Twitter. 
uh, give us a follow, watch us, listen to us. On, if you're listening to us on Spotify, uh, feel free to share on your Instagram yeah. story or wherever. Um, give us a review. Yeah, if you're li- listening on Apple Music, um, rate and review uh, if you want. Um, yeah, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for venturing through the digital forest.